Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Mysterious Phoenix Society Reload Podcast. This is episode 26, and we'll be reading chapter 35. But first, a recap of chapter 34. So Milligan is still captured, and they told Mr. Benedict, and he reported back, Laughter is the best medicine. And Rennie thinks he might know what Mr. Benedict meant, but he never got the chance to tell Sticky, because SQ arrived to take them to the Whisperer. Rennie and Constance were snapping at each other, and all the rest of the Institute got sick, as the children had planned. So, uh, they got, Sticky and Rennie got to go early to the Whisperer. But they never got the chance to tell the girls because it was so early in the morning. So at the end of the chapter, Sticky was taking his turn the Whisperer chair, and Rennie was trying to signal Mr. Benedict to send Kate and Constance to them, but he doesn't know if they saw their message, so hopefully they did. Okay, that's the recap of chapter 34. Let's read chapter 35. Chapter 35, The Great Kate Weather Machine. K and C, as it happened, were still in bed. It had been an awful night for Kate. Try as she might, she couldn't forget the look in Milligan's eyes as the executives and recruiters paraded him through the cafeteria. She slept poorly, in and out of a doze, constantly worried and miserable, and never once did she have a shred of an idea what to do. Now it was almost dawn, time to rise, though rising hardly seemed worth the trouble. Worsening Kate's mood, if that was possible, was a distant, irritating beeping sound, the erratic honking of a faraway horn. A car alarm on the mainland, or some obnoxious kid fooling around with an air horn? It had been going on for several minutes now. Long honks, short honks, long honks again, on and on. Irritating and irritatingly familiar. Like something she supposed to remember, but couldn't. Almost like a code, she thought. Almost like... Morse code, Kate said aloud, sitting bolt upright in bed. A long honk, a short honk. A one long pause, and one again. That would be Kate. She listened again. Here came some more. Oh, why hadn't she been studying her Morse code? Flying to her desk, Kate wrote down the code as it came. Short, long, long, short, long, short, short, a pause. That spelled and. She was fairly sure. Long, short, long, short, a K, C, and C. Will somebody turn off that stupid alarm? Constance moaned in her sleep. Shush! No, don't shush! Constance, wake up! We're being signaled. But Constance, lost in a sleepy fog, only buried her head under her pillow. The code kept coming. Kate struggled to decipher it. I hope the boys are getting this, she thought. Sticky will know it for sure. After a moment, the pet message started to repeat, and Kate studied what she jolted down. K and C to Flotto were now. Good grief, it makes no sense at all. K and C stood for Kate and Constance, obviously. But what did Flanto mean? Was it Spanish? Latin? Again, she hoped Sticky was listening. He knew every language in the book. Here came the message again. Kate played, paid close attention, careful not to mistake short for long or vice versa. Making sure to, to recognize pauses, she came up with this. K and C to Flaw Tower now. What in the world? What was a flaw tower anyway? Flag tower, she exclaimed, realizing her mistake. Good gravy, Kate. The boys are in the flag tower already. Constance, wake up. Quiet down, came the muffled voice from beneath the pillow. Kate threw on her shoes, fastened her bucket to her belt. Who knew how long they'd been up there? Who knew what sort of danger they were in? What if she was too late? She'd have to... Kate stopped in mid-thought, staring at the tiny lump of bedclothes that was Constance Contraire. How could she possibly make it with that belligerent girl along? Kate would have to carry her, assuming she could even get her out of bed. What if Constance slowed her down so much she couldn't help the boys in time? It occurred to Kate to leave her behind. An inviting thought. 
So inviting, she almost did just that. She went to the door, hesitated, looked back. The plan had called for all four of them. That was what Mr. Benedict had said mattered most, and it was what they agreed on only yesterday. All four of them, that was the plan. No way she was going to be the one to mess it up. In a flash, Kate was at the bedside shaking Constance like a maraca. Wake up, Constance, it's an emergency. Even with the shaking and urging, it took Kate a minute to get Constance fully awake. Dawn had broken, daylight grew stronger by the second, and with it her fear that she'd been too late. By the time Constance understood what was happening, Kate had jammed her shoes onto her feet. Get on my back, she ordered, ignoring Constance whining that her toes hurt. Kate had forced the shoes onto the wrong feet. Constance climbed on, still grumbling, and Kate dashed from the room. In the corridor, they passed several students clinging miserably to paper bags, standing in a line for the overcrowded bathroom. There were slick spots here and there on the floor, and the helpers hadn't mopped up yet, and Kate nimbly avoided these, trying not to think about them. When a queasy-looking executive approached to ask their business, Kate cried, "'Get back! She's about to barf with Brussels spouts!' The executive had already seen more of this sort of thing in one night than she cared to see in a lifetime, stepped aside without another word. Faster and faster, Kate ran, catching up her pace, her bucket bouncing against her hip and Constance clinging desperately to her shoulders. Past exhausted helpers with their buckets and mops, out of the dormitory and straight for the secret entrance behind the Institute Control Building. With the help of Mr. Kern's elevator, Kate figured they could be outside the Whispering Gallery in thirty seconds or less. Provided we get lucky, she thought, and the entrance isn't guarded. She rounded the boulders, kicked the door open, and burst through the foyer into the secret passage. The entrance was, the entrance was guarded, unfortunately, and by none other than Martina Crow. Kate drew up short, trying to think of what to do. Martina was so astounded by Kate's sudden appearance, she looked almost afraid, as if Kate had come to deal her some blow, but she quickly grew haughty. How did you two get down here? You're in serious trouble now, do you realize that? Kate scarcely heard Martina. Her mind was racing. Could she get past Martina? Alone, maybe, but with Constance on her back? Martina would call for help, and the recruiters guarding the computer room would come running. All Martina had to do was hold Kate for a few short minutes. No, they'd never make it. They would have to try another way. Well, what do you have to say for yourselves? Martina snarled, advancingly threateningly. Kate bit her lip, clenched her fists, and for once said nothing. Instead, she whirled on her heel, hitched Constance higher on her back, and ran away. Martina stared after the girls, extremely confused. It was not like Kate Weatherall to back down like that, not like at her all. And why had they come into the secret passage in the first place? They'd been in a hurry, clearly rushing towards some urgent business. Her face darkened as she contemplated the possibilities. Just then, Jocelyn rounded the corner. She'd spent a dreadful night in the bathroom making sounds like a sea lion, but now that she was feeling better, she was coming to relieve Martina from guard duty. Jackson told me to hand over for you. If Mr. Curtin doesn't finish the job with Bernard and George, you may be having another session in a few hours. Go get some rest. Martina wasn't listening. Her mind was a whirl with speculations about Kate. That wicked little snoop must know this was the way up to the Whispering Gallery, she thought. Why else would the girls have come here? And what had they been in such a hurry for? And, and what was that infernal beeping sound in the distance? Martina was finding it very difficult to concentrate. Jocelyn, did you pass Kate Weatherall in the foyer just now? And that little squirt Constance? You bet I did. I sent them back straight to their room. Some kids know will learn. It'll be a brain sweep for those two, no doubt about it. They aren't going back to their room, said Martina. Something's going on. Jocelyn frowned. Is that so? Do you think it has anything to do with the maddening honking sound? What is that anyway? You've noticed it too, then? I don't know. It almost sounds like... No, it definitely sounds like a code. Yes, it's a code. Morse code. 
Josen, you don't know Morse, co Morse code, do you? Why on earth would I? Nobody uses Morse code anymore. But you know Mr. Curtin keeps all sort of code boxes in his office. We could take a look. I have the cabinet key with me. Privilege of a senior executive. Moments later, the two of them were in Mr. Curtin's office, poring over a chart of Morse code, hastily scrawling a transcription on the distant honks. What's a flotta? Josen asked, scratching her head. Martina corrected the mistake. Not short, short, long, but long, long, short. Not you, but gee, flag tower. I knew it. Let's go find Jackson. We have two more spies to catch. The spies in question were at the very moment hurrying down a corridor in the helper's barracks, where Kate had just burst into a storage room and snatched a ladder from an alarm helper. Now they were tripping and stumbling toward the exit. Kate stumbled because of the unwieldy ladder, constant stumble because it was her natural method of locomotion, and because her feet hurt from being in the wrong shoes. Come on, Kate urged, panting for breath. Can't you move any faster? Honestly, I can't carry you in the ladder both. Just leave me then. You don't want me along anyway. We don't have time for this, Kate muttered, banging the door open at the end of the corridor and hauling the ladder out into the early morning light. Constance came tottering after her, struggling to keep up as Kate rounded the classroom building and charged onto the empty plaza. The horn still sounded from across the water, insistently repeating its urgent message. Kate was just thinking, I wish they knock it off now. Someone else is sure to catch on. When the horror abruptly stopped. Unfortunately, even as it did so, two executives emerged from behind the boulders on the hill to stare curiously toward the mainland. One of them was S.Q., whose gangly frame Kate recognized even from this distance. The other, judging by the size of her head, was a tall-haired executive named Regina. They were too distracted at the moment to notice the girls. Still, this would never do. Constance was dragging behind. If the executives spotted them, she was sure to be caught. Listen, Kate puffed as they crossed the plaza. If the sashes come after us, I'll slow them down. You keep going. Head straight up the hill behind the institute control building to that stone wall beyond the brook. I'll catch up with you there. Constance stopped. All the way up there? But I can't walk that far. I'm exhausted. My feet are killing me. Kate skidded to a halt. You can't make anything easy, can you? Not even now, the most important moment of your life? She dropped the ladder and reached into her bucket for the rope. What are you doing, said Constance. I thought we were in some kind of huge hurry. Put a lid on it, Kate said. Before Constance could think of a grumpy reply, Kate had tied the ladder to her belt and hoisted the smaller girl on her back. I'll just have to drag the stupid thing. It's going to make an awful racket, though, so hang on. With that, Kate was off, faster than she would have thought possible herself. Perhaps spurred on the timbers, bang and clanger and scrape of the ladder dragging behind her. In the distance, Regina began to shout. The ruckus had caught her attention. Kate glanced up the hill to see S.Q. tripping over his feet, and Regina tripping over S.Q., as they started out after the girls. Bless those size 15, she thought. Now we just may make it. Kate made her way back to the instant control building, hustled past the boulders into the drapeweed trap, and started up the hill. It was a difficult ascent. There was no path here, the slope was steep, and the slippery was gravel, and Kate, unlike her pursuers, was dragging a ladder and carrying someone on her back. Even so, Kate was halfway up before S.Q. and Regina even arrived at the bottom. She was just about to feel encouraged when Martina, Jackson, and Jilson came swarming out the back of the Institute Control Building. "'Well, that's unfortunate,' Kate said. She smiled and waved. "'Unfortunate,' cried Constance. "'Unfortunate!' "'Don't you think so?' Kate said, panning under her burden. Jackson sent S.Q. and Regina scurrying away, probably to notify Mr. Curtin, and started up the hill with Jilson and Martina close behind. They were moving fast. Kate stopped glancing back and pressed on, hard until she and Constance came up to the stone wall. From below, they had heard rapid scraping of boots on gravel. Quickly, Kate worked to untie the ladder from her belt, 
but after the long drag uphill, the knot had grown too tight. Come on, come on, she thought, unfastening her belt to slip the knot free. In her haste, she missed her grip on the bucket, and to her horror, it slipped loose and tumbled several yards down the hill behind her. Leave it, Constance cried, seeing her look of dismay. There's no time. Constance was right. They would lose their narrow start, an even worse way to lose her bucket. And so to the mocking laughs of Martina from halfway down the hill. Fat lot of good that bucket would do you when we catch up with you. She handed her rope to Constance and scampered back to retrieve it. Everything had spilled out, including her precious spyglass. But here Kate drew the line. She snatched up her bucket and left the rest behind. You lost your lead, Jackson called. You might as well wait for us there. Just wanted to give you a fighting chance, Kate called back. With the ladder in place and Constance fumbling with disapproval on her back, she began to climb. She was really sweating under her load now. The wearier she grew, the heavier Constance seemed. In a final determined burst, she scaled the last few rungs just as Jackson reached the ladder. She scrambled forward onto the high, sloping ground above the wall. A few paces ahead, just above the rock wall, ran the brook. Kate had spotted their first day on the island. It streamed along a shallow gully for some distance before finally spilling over a wall and running downhill. Kate stumbled quickly toward it. By the time she dumped Constance, rather unceremoniously, next to the brook, Jackson and Jilson were both on the ladder, and Martina was preparing to climb. "'What good is your bucket doing you now?' Jackson jeered. "'I'm glad you asked,' Kate said, bending over the brook to scub a bucket full of water. Instantly, it was heavy as a bowling ball. Returning to look at Jackson's icy blue eyes, he was only a few rungs from the top, she gave him a friendly wink and dropped the bucket. Surprised as though he was, Jackson resisted the urge to let go and catch the bucket. It didn't matter. The bucket caught him. It landed squarely on top of his head and sent him tumbling backward down the ladder, in the process knocking Jilson down as well. They landed in a wet, moaning heap at Martina's feet. Instant ton of bricks, Kate said with satisfaction. Just add water. There wasn't time to reflect upon the pleasing scene. Martina had been quick-witted enough to grab the ladder before Kate could haul it out of reach, and was waiting only for her dazed companions to climb to their feet again. Slinging Constance over her shoulder, Kate splashed across the brook, too tired to now leap it, and made her way up the last steep stretch of ground to the tower wall. Ugh, Constance cried. Get your shoulder out of my belly, you big... Listen, Kate said, sitting her down and hastily forming a lasso with her rote. I need to concentrate, so keep quiet, will you? We have to reach that window as quick as we can. As she spoke, she swung her lasso round and round, eyeing the flagpole that jutted from the top of the tower wall high above them, the Institute's rad red flag rippling gently beneath it. Careful, Kate warned. Don't let the lasso get fouled up with the flag. It's essential she didn't miss. There'd be no time for a second attempt. Kate concentrated, took aim, said a prayer, and... "'You don't really think you can lasso that flagpole, do you?' Constance blurted just as Kate flung the lasso upward. The outburst nearly broke Kate's concentration, but her throw was true enough. With a perfectly timed twitch of the rope, she adjusted its path. The lasso dropped neatly over the end of the flagpole. Kate heaved a sigh of relief. "'You call that quiet?' she asked, tightening a loop with a tug. "'It could have been louder,' Constance replied. "'Thanks ever so much,' said Kate, already tying the rope around the smaller girl's waist." Now don't argue. I'm going to this so what you I'm going to do this so I can haul you up after me. I can climb faster this way. Constance, of course, began to argue, but Kate had already completed the knot and began scrambling up the rope. She didn't waste time looking back. She knew that at this very moment Martina was leaping the brook. She knew she had only a matter of seconds, and when at last she had reached the flagpole, balanced atop of it, and looked down to see Martina charging toward Constance far below, she knew that those seconds were not in her favor. As tired as she was, as fast as Martina was moving, she wouldn't have time to pull Constance out of reach. It took only one of those seconds for Kate to think. It has to be all four of us, but Constance can't handle them. You can handle them, though. 
It will be rough, but you can handle them. Part of Kate believed this, a very important part for Kate's sense of invincibility, was the main thing that had sustained her her life all young alone. But her mother part did not believe this, and it too was an important part, for unless you know about this part, it is impossible to understand a brave thing Kate was about to do. With a fluid motion, Kate slapped the lasso from the end of the flagpole. She gripped the pole tightly. Oh well, she thought. I sure hope this little grouch is worth it. And with that, she leaped backward into the air. The rope fell across the flagpole like a cable over a pulley, and as Kate dropped downward, so Constance, much lighter by far, shot up out of grasp and the astonished Martina Crow. The tiny girl clung madly to the rope, her eyes bulging, but Kate could do little to calm her. As they brushed past each other, one going up and the other going down, both to uncertain fates, Kate offered her breezy a smile and said, Hang tight, Connie girl, and be sure to untie yourself when you get up there. Then she descended into the waiting arms of three powerful executives, all of them grinning with vigilant excitement. Mm-hmm.